0: Dr. Nell Ostermeyer graduated from the University of Illinois College of Veterinary Medicine in 2004 with a focus on small animal and exotic animal medicine. In 2007, she moved to Portland with her husband, Dr. Preston, and they've practiced there ever since. Her interest in nutrition and whole food supplementation led her to explore more advanced alternative medicine therapies such as acupuncture and herbal formulas for her patients. In 2010, She completed the International Veterinary Acupuncture Society acupuncture course. She holds the advanced certification from the American Academy of Veterinary Acupuncture. Dr. Ostermeyer leads the Integrated Medicine Program at Lombard Animal Hospital, offering a variety of traditional and natural veterinary modalities. She's an instructor for IVIS's acupuncture course and is the teaching associate coordinator. She also contributes to IVIS's acupuncture and practice postings on Facebook and has lectured both nationally and internationally on various acupuncture topics. In 2017, Dr. Ostermeyer created People and Pet Integrative Therapies in order to help other veterinarians realize their vision through business and communication coaching. Her mission is to make integrative medicines more accessible to animals worldwide and to improve work-life happiness in the veterinary profession. Please enjoy this conversation with Dr. Nell Ostermeyer. Dr. Arstermeyer, thanks for joining me.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me, Neil.
0: I'm really glad that you took the time.
1: Yeah, me too. I'm I'm happy to be here.
0: Great. So where did you grow up?
1: I actually grew up uh, on a small farm in a rural area of central Illinois. So, um, yeah, I was exposed to animals at a pretty young age.
0: What sort of animals did you guys have?
1: We had... um, you know, we had cats and dogs, but then we also had, uh, our fair share of, um, cattle, um, some 4-H, uh, cows, um, some 4-H pigs, um, goats, ducks, uh, a, f- a handful of chickens. And, um, and of course we had cats at our home and then we also had the barn cats. So we, we had a wide variety of animals, um, that I you know that I was exposed to and and that I did my best to care for as well.
0: When when did the idea of becoming a veterinarian come into play then?
1: Um I'm one of those people where I knew I wanted to be a veterinarian as far back as I can remember. Um in addition to all of those domestic animals, I was always trying to rescue um the stranded bunnies or the birds that fell out of the nest. Um I can't actually remember a time when I didn't know I wanted to be a veterinarian. So, yep, I'm one of those.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So where did you do your undergrad then?
1: Did my undergrad at the University of Illinois. So stayed in state and um, actually, you know, growing up in a small town, um, that was really the dream of a a lot of us uh, was to go away to the University of Illinois. So I was really happy to realize my dream and... Um, did my undergrad there, and I went ahead and, and um, stayed there for veterinary school.
0: What did you study in undergrad?
1: In undergrad, I was an animal science major, and that fell under the College of Aces, which was um, was comparable to like an agricultural college um, in another university. We called it Aces.
0: So, were you um, eyeing vet school with the idea that you want to do mixed practice, or what did you think going in?
1: When, oh, I forgot to mention that I had horses growing up. <laughs> it's interesting when, you know, when you're uh, being interviewed, you uh, don't always have a, all the details and your thoughts don't always come out. And um, I had horses growing up. I actually loved horses. I adopted um, two Mustangs from the Adopt-A-Mustang Foundation. And so when I entered veterinary school, I first thought that I was going to be an equine vet. Um but things really shifted, and I ended up getting interested in wildlife and, and exotic, um, exotic pet mes- Pet, sorry, exotic companion pet medicine, and um, and zoo medicine. So, you know, I think being only in my early twenties, I kind of went back and forth on on what species or what. Uh, genre of of uh, animals or pets I was going to be involved with and eventually landed on um, small animal with a special interest in the the exotic um, pet species
0: how many were in your class
1: we had almost exactly 100 in our class
0: wow Do do you think Illinois prepared you for practice then
1: I think Illinois prepared me for practice as much as any veterinary veterinary teaching hospital was preparing um, students for practice at that time. Um, Certainly didn't uh, it certainly didn't prepare me for practice ownership, and I do know that that's shifting a bit now with some um, you know pulling some of the business aspects of veterinary medicine into the curriculum, and I'm, I'm really glad about that. But I think, you know, we were definitely um, par for the course for that time as far as, as being prepared.
0: Sure. Now, your husband's a veterinarian.
1: Yes, he is also a veterinarian. Um, and he also, we met in in school. So, we okay. met at the University of Illinois.
0: Now, did you get married while you are in school or was that after?
1: After I actually can't imagine getting married during school. Um, we he was two years ahead of me, so he actually um, graduated and moved um, back to Orange County, California, and started practicing. And we had a long distance relationship for two years, and I think that speaks a lot to our relationship because we were only in our you know early mid twenties, and we were able to weather that, um, stick it out. And then I moved to Orange County after I graduated and started, that's where I initially started practicing. So, yeah.
0: It's really quite difficult. I had a a roommate in vet school that was married to someone two years ahead as well. And just that long distance thing is really, really hard.
1: Yeah. You know, it's it's difficult. And I think when you're young, it can be even a bit more difficult, but we navigated it and um, the rest is history. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) So you moved to California to practice after graduation?
1: Yes, moved to California, um, was in the Orange County area, and I actually um, accepted my first position at a small animal um, exotic companion pet practice in uh, South Orange County, and I had an absolutely uh, wonderful mentor there. Um, So I had a great First uh, three years of veterinary practice, and really, you know, like you had asked me if, if University of Illinois prepared me. Well, they certainly did, but what really took all of that legwork and brought it to the real world um, was having a good mentor, um, and I continue to appreciate that, um, you know, even fifteen years out of practice.
0: That's it's really important, and my my sense is amongst my classmates that that wasn't that didn't occur a lot, that the people that really found a good practice and a good mentor were a rarity rather than the rule.
1: Uh, No, I agree. Uh, I think um, I graduated in 2004 and I think um, at that point it was still kind of a rarity. Uh, Now it's uh, one of the I would say it's one of the key factors that um, new grads are looking for. They're looking for mentorship. And that wasn't really something that we were coached to look for coming out of that school. And um, I think those of us that landed with a good mentor were, were super lucky. And like I said, I'm, I'm still grateful, you know, and I've been practicing 15 years and I still think back to um, some of the insight and support that my mentor offered me. And I try to bring that forward.
0: If the time flies by, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, it flies by. <laughs>
0: yeah. So when did you guys decide that you want to relocate and, and work together?
1: Um, I had been practicing in Orange County for about three years, my husband for about five years. He actually grew up there and spent his entire life there. And um, in 2006, we were just sort of getting antsy, wanting maybe to start. We weren't even married yet, and so we wanted to get married and then um, start our own practice, and we wanted that practice to be located somewhere where um, what we considered the quality of life to be a, a better match for us, and we enjoyed Orange County, but we are really outdoorsy. Um, we love the mountains. We love the ocean. We just l- we love being in the forest, and um, California has those Southern California does have access to those things, but it can be a bit difficult to access them. And it's not quite the same as the Pacific Northwest, which is where I'm located now. So um, a lot of it had to do with us wanting a lifestyle um, around the great outdoors. And we combined that with um, looking for a practice that, um, you know, fit both our price point and, um, had the potential to grow.
0: So did you look on your own? You d- did you use the services of a broker or how did that work?
1: We kind of, um, we kind of did both. So we, we really were just kind of, um, flipping through the Javma ads and, um, poking around in different veterinary um, periodicals or online. And um, we visited some practices on our own. And one of the practices that we were interested in in Colorado um, was being represented by a broker who knew of the practice for sale in Portland, Oregon. And so we weren't actually working with a broker. We were doing it on our own, but it was a broker that alerted us to this practice and We hadn't really thought of, because we were looking to be situated either in the mountains or really close to the ocean, and we hadn't really thought about being in a city per se. Um, So we hadn't thought about Portland, and then we visited, and really, we were here for four days in February, and the weather was horrible, and we still absolutely fell in love with um, this small city as well as the easy access to the coast and the mountains. You're not necessarily in the mountains or on the coast, but you have easy access. And um, the practice was a good fit for us. And so we came here, visited for four days, um, and made an offer contingent on the fact that we weren't getting married for another six months and we wanted to go on a honeymoon to New Zealand. Um, so we made the offer in April, it was accepted and we took the practice over the following November. So, yeah, it was, it was a bit of a whirlwind, um, and also kind of a leap, but, um, I think it actually benefited us to be young and to have a little higher risk tolerance at that time. Um, and I definitely don't regret the choice.
0: So, was what sort of practice was it? A multi doctor practice when you bought it?
1: No, it was a it was a one doctor practice, but it wasn't even being fully um, the potential of it wasn't being fully realized. Even for one veterinarian, the veterinarian that owned it um, began to realize that it was just for her too difficult to be the mom of two. And also be the sole veterinarian at this practice, as well as running the business aspect of it. You know, um, wearing all of those hats and trying to be a mom was just too much. And so, um, she was actually only working it a few days a week. They had um, relief veterinarians coming in and out. There were some days that it wasn't even um, staffed to see patients. Uh, they simply had someone answering the phone. So. Um, we looked, we looked at the practice, um, and, and where it was at and we envisioned what it could be. And, um, so we, we did that. We, we grew it from the sub one doctor practice to the two doctor practice. And then eventually, um, particularly when, um, I became when I became an integrated veterinarian, when I started integrating the acupuncture and eventually my clientele became solely integrative, um, we really were just overflowing in need for another Western veterinarian, another conventional vet. So we, um, that was how we um, kind of tipped into bringing on our third veterinarian and um, eventually became a five doctor practice. And currently we are a five doctor practice Although my husband and I are part-time, I'm integrative only, and one of our associates uh, just became certified in acupuncture through the Ivis course. So now I have another integrative veterinarian on my team. And, um, you know, so things are, are really good right now as far as the blend that we have going um, at the practice.
0: Nice. So I should back up. Do you, Were you... Were you exposed to integrated medicine in school or when did you become interested in it?
1: Uh, I became – so uh, we came to Portland, Oregon in 2007. That's when we, we took over our practice late 2007, just just before the economy crashed. So the current situation that we're going through, I feel like no, no one could ever be prepared for it. But going through that horrible economic crisis – definitely has given us some tools to uh, weather the, the current situation with COVID and the, the economic impact that we're experiencing and will experience into the future. Um, but that was just a sidebar. I, um, the integrative medicine, we, we took over in 2007. And in 2010, um, I was just getting really frustrated. So we'd been here for about three years. I was getting really frustrated with the limitations of uh, pain control in my senior patients and renal compromised patients. Um, I was looking for alternatives to um, rounding out or or beefing up their their pain control, and I also had become very interested in nutrition and whole food for for pets. And so those two pieces drove me to look into alternative options, and I, um, that's when I looked into the IVIS course as well as other, but I ended up choosing the IVIS course. And um, what was interesting about that is I, I really thought at that time acupuncture was just another modality for pain, and I ended up realizing that the traditional Chinese medical model, you know, can be used to treat you know, all things health related, you know? And so that was, that was my first really big exposure to integrative medicine or to alternative therapies. And I, um, took it to heart immediately and brought it back and just never looked back.
0: Now, did y'all have an associate at that time?
1: No, we did not have an associate at that time. So when I'm talking with, um, with vets who are considering becoming certified in acupuncture or other alternative modalities, you know, one of the most common things that I hear is, you know, I just don't have the time. It's not the right time. Well, there really is never a exactly right time. Um and I can tell you that in 2010 we were really still struggling from the economic crisis that began in 2008. In fact, I think 2010 is when we felt it the worst, and uh, we had quite a few open appointment slots going on because people were just scrambling to to pay their mortgages and feed their kids, so they weren't necessarily being bringing their their pets in as frequently. Um, so, in addition to the pain control and um, you know, the nutrition that, that I wanted to bring into my patients' lives, I also was looking for some ethical revenue for the hospital, you know, and, fi- and a way to fill up those appointment slots. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's what I did. I signed up. I, I really had no business signing up from a financial standpoint. Um, any business consultant probably would have said, you know, stick it out, stay here, stay here do the best you can to bring in business or even, um, we actually had one, um, business consultant tell us that one of us should get another job. (laughs) And, you know, that's really demoralizing, but we decided to look at it from a different angle and took advantage of the fact that we weren't busy enough for two vets and we weren't growing as, as much as we had hoped because of basically something that was currently out of our control. And so I signed up for the course and my husband, he manned the ship. So I, you know, I'm so grateful that he was willing to support me in that endeavor to go out and to uh, reignite my passion around veterinary medicine, bring something additional back to our patients and also um, add to the financial health of our practice at the same time.
0: Oh sure. Where was the Where was the IVIS course when you took it?
1: It was in San Antonio, Texas. So, so not a bad. I didn't commute. see much of San Antonio because if you've taken um, any of the acupuncture courses, <laughs> you know that most of the time you're in lecture or lab or studying.
0: Sure, and you yeah. had the advantage that you could come back and put it right to work in your practice. Yes,
1: I, I could bring it back. I put it right to work after the first session. You know, yeah, I felt comfortable enough to at least offer it to my clients, uh, with the transparency that I was not fully certified, but that I felt like I could still help their pets.
0: I think that's the only way to do it.
1: I agree. Um, the yeah. sooner you get started, um, with the real world integrating, um, the
0: better. These docs that I run into that, that start taking the course and maybe they don't have a supportive, um, environment back at the practice, you know, a boss that's not interested or, you know, isn't very encouraging. It's just, it's not good. It's not good.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, those, those bosses are actually roadblocks to, to ethical revenue that they don't realize could be coming into the practice. And, and, um, that's really a sad thing. And because I've been, um, Involved with the IVIS course now since 2013 when I came back as a TA and um, then I became TA coordinator, which I still am, and also an instructor. I just have heard so many stories um, about the roadblocks that veterinarians face after they finish the course and then they get back to practice, whether they're the practice owners or whether they are, you know, associates. Um, and there are just all kinds of different roadblocks, not just not being supported, but, you know, time stress and being bogged down by the day-to-day or just not knowing how to start the conversation. And that actually led me to create my, um, my own business, my own coaching business called People and Pet Integrative Therapies. So, um, that's yet another project that, Um, I started and I've grown, and it's all centered around addressing those pains and frustrations um, of veterinarians who, they have this skill now, they have this knowledge, and they want to apply it, and and they just need a roadmap for getting it integrated or for getting the rest of their hospital team on board, Um, because it can be done. And then once it is done, um, everybody benefits, the patients, the clients, the team, uh, the entire practice.
0: Oh yeah. So do you have a sense I don't know if Ivis keeps statistics on this but do you have a sense how many people come through the class and and actually follow through get certified and put it to use?
1: I don't have any stats on that. Um I'm sure Ivis could, you know, whip up some stats on how many take the course and how many certify. Um certification is also something that I uh, really feel strongly about promoting, I, I want to make sure the veterinary acupuncture um, and and the veterinary herbal um, field um, has as much credibility as possible. And I really feel that finishing your certification um, adds to that credibility and it helps our field to um, resist being diluted um, by, by people that maybe don't have enough education or the right education to be bringing these modalities, um, to patients in a way that could really help them reach the best results. So, um, yeah, huge proponent of certification. And when I talk to students, um, it's, it's interesting because the pass rate for the exam is over 95% and it has been now for, um, like I think seven years, so it's not necessarily passing the exams, uh, but writing the case report, writing that darn case report is just one of the hurdles that a lot of vets seem to have trouble getting over. So um, I do try to do quite a bit of motivating around that, and um, you know, really encourage vets who have gone through the investment of time, energy, resources. Into not only the Ivis course but the Chi course. Um, I've talked the um the uh Core course. I've talked to graduates of all of those courses, and um, you know they all have different little roadblocks, either for certification or for getting it integrated into practice. And um, the more conversations I had around that, and the one that I'm having with you, you know, the more passionate I feel about that being a calling for me and and really trying to get more vets certified more vets bringing this amazing modality into practice because the overall goal is making acupuncture and traditional chinese medicine and other viable alternative uh, modalities as accessible as possible to to every veterinary patient
0: yeah veterinarians are it's an incredible study in human nature to see how many veterinarians will take a course like this like the acupuncture course or chiropractic or anything and let the case report function or the the internship hours or what it you know something that's very simple just keep them be the hurdle between it and finishing
1: yeah definitely and i've hosted um i've hosted internship hours uh for veter- vets who have completed both IVIS and g luckily um If you take the IVIS course now, we build the internship hours into the final session right before you take exams. So that hurdle has been um, sort of obliterated, um, which I I love. But I um, have continued to occasionally host a CHI grad um, at my hospital just to get their hours done. Um, And that's rewarding, too but I, I under, I understand how difficult that is because when I took the IVIS course, we didn't have the built-in internship hours. And I actually, um, drove from Portland to Bellingham, Washington, which I think is like a close to a six hour drive to do my hours with, um, Dr. Michelle Schrader. Um, Oh, she's
0: wonderful. Yeah.
1: Yeah. She's wonderful. And you know, I couldn't find anyone in the Portland area at that time. This was 2011 ish to actually host me. Um, I got all kinds of excuses. And uh, so sometimes when I get a request for shadowing or hosting, I, and I'm really busy and I think, Oh my gosh, one more thing. I really dig deep and, you know, pull out that empathy because I was in that place once, you know, um, but I was really, it was really a blessing in disguise because being able to do my internship under Michelle really helped to catapult me. Like I said, you know, you know, even right after, um, the first session, because she was just such an amazing mentor and, and, um, resource for me.
0: Yeah. It's, uh, it's good for the person. It's like you're right. It's, it's can be difficult sometimes to host someone. And we've certainly done that at our practice a number of times. But, you know, I just, man, it, as the student in me would just love to be able to travel and, you know, apprentice under, you know, 10, 12, 20 other acupuncturists and just pick their brains for a day or a week.
1: Yeah. Wouldn't that be the dream? I, I would, I would like to go do that with, with human acupuncturists as well, you know, some of the, some of the traditional Chinese, um, human practitioners and just really pick their brains and, um, continue to learn, uh, you know, sort of the, the, the never ending student thing, I
0: guess. <laughs> oh yeah. All right. So in 2019, you did the FAA VA exam. Yes. Yes. Okay. So what did you do? Oh, we, I should back up. That's the fellow of the American Academy of Veterinary Acupuncture, the AAVA's uh, advanced certification. So what sort of study did you employ for that test?
1: First of all, I want to say that that is probably... I consider that one of my biggest accomplishments thus far in my life. You know, I I am so proud to have those letters which is interesting it's not so much about the letters it's it's actually about all the work that went into it and the studying um and the accomplishment and the feeling of camaraderie that at this time I think there's there's 26 others of us that have have, have done it but um so how I studied for it was I actually Uh, formed a pact uh, with my good friend, uh, Dolores Craig, Dr. Dolores Craig. We, We had been talking about it for a few years. And, you know, it's one of those things that if you keep talking about it, but you never sign up for it, it just kind of keeps getting pushed off into the future. So uh, Dee and I made a pact. We said, we're going to do it in 2019. We're going to sit for it in 2019. Now, Dee lives in El Paso and I live in Portland, Oregon. So we didn't actually study together. um, But just having that other person, that other other comrade going through this, you know, was such a huge... um, support piece for me and we just kind of shared what we were studying and um you know Dee and I are both involved in the IBIS course so one of the ways that we reviewed was obviously just to be present um throughout the course and in the lectures um which you could do if you aren't involved with the course because you can easily do the what we call the refresh program um where for a greatly reduced cost you can go through each and every session if you would like Um, and I know that some of my TAs from this year, or at least one or two of them, are planning to, to try to sit for FAVA either this year or next year. So that was a piece. And then um, going over the, rec- you know, taking the recommended reading list and just kind of chunking it down, um, you know, mind sharing a little bit with Dee about what she thought was important, what I thought was important, and kind of pooling that together. Um And, you know, for two days before the exam, she actually came up here and we did have like two days of um, study hall, if you will, where um, we had good coffee and good food and good company and we just kind of holed up uh, at my house and um, reviewed. So we took a whole year and I would say it was, I'm really proud of how, I did it because I studied at a trickle for that whole year instead of cramming at the very end. Now don't get me wrong. We definitely crammed, you know, we definitely crammed those last two days, um, you know, studied all day long. We didn't pull any all nighters. I think we're too old for that. Um, but yeah, we just broke it down over a year and it was quite manageable, but I will tell you, I'm very, um, impressed with the difficulty of that exam. uh, Because once again, going back to the credibility, if everybody who practices acupuncture and traditional Chinese medicine could just pass the exam because they practice, I think that it would lose its level of credibility. And so the fact that it was difficult, um, but yet we were still able to pass, I felt really good about that.
0: You should. You guys both did on your first go. And and (laughs) I mean, it's good that you had each other to to hold yourselves accountable. And and, yeah, I really
1: uh, think that's probably my, for anyone considering it, that's my number one recommendation. Just find one other person. It doesn't matter if they live across the country, just one other person that you can draw from when you need motivation. Um, you know, even to the point where we had to write the case reports, you know, I knew Dee had gotten one of hers done, which, you know, motivated me to make sure I was getting one of my done, you know? And, and so it's, it's not just about the exam. It's about the whole process.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now let's talk about your side project and, and your, your, uh, business training. So you guys, how far along were you into owning your practice when you started getting some, um, Using consultants and getting some extra business training on on your side.
1: Well, the communication coaching we had from the get go. So I'm really fortunate um, that my aunt is actually a communication coach for um, both small businesses and Fortune 500 companies, and she's uh, based out of um, at the time out of San Diego, California. But really, um, she can do a lot of what she needs to do um, online. But um, so I was exposed to communication coaching. And what's really cool about that is what it taught me is i is that you can, it isn't really about personality so much when you're working with a team. It's more about how you communicate. So you can actually work with any personality if you know how to communicate with them in a way to get results and in a way that, that you guys can enjoy the day together. And We also used um, a system around hiring that had to do with assessing communication styles. Um, So we had that from the get-go. When we started our practice, um, we started creating our staff using those assessments and gaining some insight into their style. In addition to their communication style, we learned about their motivators, which helped us as practice owners to... um, to basically honor their interests and their passions in order to motivate them towards results. And all of this led to a lower turnover for a lower than average um, turnover as far as our industry is concerned. So we started that from the get go. That would have been in 2007. And we had already been utilizing some of those communication systems um, prior to that in our own professional careers. The business coaching, um, where we really got into the nitty gritty of cash flow and growth um, of the practice, that started in, I would say, um, shortly after I started integrating. So I would say it was 2011, 2012. And the reason that we, started that, or or the reason we were looking for that consulting piece is because what we realized is that we were able to grow, but we just were never able to really widen our profit margin. So it was like, the more we grew, the more expenses we had. Um, We didn't have as much financial financial stress because cash flow was a bit better, but then growing had its own challenges. And so we were having growing pains of different kind. And it just seemed like no matter how successful we were, that profit margin was staying like really, really slim. And how that translates to real life is, you know, my husband and I were, way underpaid. <laughs> you know, we were mm-hmm. practice owners and we were completely underpaying ourselves in order to keep our practice running at a at a at a reasonable cash flow. So we reached out and we wanted to be outside of the industry. Um we didn't want to be told how many fecals to run and how many heartworm preventatives to sell and you know that really wasn't our mojo. So we wanted um More of a holistic approach as far as, you know, how do we further engage our team, you know, to help us in this because we can't do it all on our own, you know, and and we're wearing so many hats and we're starting to break down a little bit. You know, we made it through the economic crisis. Great. Phew. Now we're growing like crazy, but we don't know how to navigate that either. And we feel like we have to do everything on our own. And so business coaching helped us to realize that we could actually take a team approach and we could empower our team and we could um, request that they take on some of these projects with us and everybody sort of have a piece of the pie and, and basically ever, you know, as, From the time that we started business coaching that year forward, we never grew less than 15% every year that we were open. And we just learned a lot from that. And we really internalized it and then started sharing it and realized that there was a huge need in our field for some of this information um, coming from other spaces in the business world that were a little bit more advanced than... The veterinary space. I mean, there are other industries that had already learned a lot and um, could teach us something. And so we went outside of the veterinary industry and drew from that and then decided, I decided um, to utilize what I had learned and really target um, veterinarians who were trying to integrate either acupuncture or an alternative modality into practice. And not only make it work from a flow standpoint and a team engagement standpoint, but to have that translate into a return on investment. So yeah, that was sort of the journey, I guess.
0: So you're working with, you're coaching veterinarians who want to bring that sort of thing into their practice.
1: Yeah. Yeah. With my people and pet integrative therapies, it's got a veterinary facing piece, which is coaching um, veterinarians um, so that they can integrate successfully and also efficiently um, because, you know, most I mean veterinarians, we're very intelligent. We're motivated. We're doers. Um, if you give us a roadmap, we're probably going to get it done. Just like if we have to look at a a surgery book, we can look at the book, we can read the surgery, we can get it done. You know, it's not much different when you're trying to integrate something. Um, there are a few more moving pieces, I guess, (laughs) but, um, Yeah. So, so really most of what I do in coaching is one, trying to get clarity around what is your vision of the ideal practice? Like, can you clear out your cluttered mind and actually tell me like, you know, a, what are your pains right now? Like why, what are your pains? What are your frustrations? Um, And what's in your control? What's out of your control? And then from those two pieces looking ahead to, well, where do you imagine yourself in the future, and then developing basically a roadmap with milestones to get to that place—that that imaginary place that could be a real thing, a real world. Um, it could be the real world for you um, if you can if you can just have the roadmap that helps you achieve it. So yeah, so that's what I do. And then there's a, there actually is a pet owner facing piece, which is telehealth consulting. Um, very interesting that I got into that because now I think, um, with the current situation with COVID and all of the restrictions, um, and then the flexibility that we as veterinarians have been given in many States, at least Oregon, as one of them around, um, seeing new patients via telehealth. Um, I think that that's going to be a piece of veterinary medicine that's going to be permanent. Um, We're always going to need the, the the in-person and the hands-on, especially when we want to do acupuncture or if we're not an integrative vet, when we need to, to to do a blood draw or, you know, whatever else needs to be done for that pet, a wound care or a surgery. But there are so many things, um, especially around nutrition and herbs and supplements that can be done via a telehealth consult. Um, if you simply have the veterinary records and um, a good conversation with the owner and, and you know, with, with all the advancements in technology, we, you know, when I consult with somebody, I'm looking at their pet and, you know, we're checking their gums and we're looking at their eyes and their ears and their skin. And um, I'm not necessarily saying that is the the first choice for a conventional veterinary exam or a sick patient, but it certainly works for um, patients who already have an existing conventional vet that they love and trust and they simply need consultation on food and supplements and herbs. So yeah, there are two big pieces to, to people in PET.
0: Well, you're right. I think once we get through this thing, the things are going to look a lot different on the other side.
1: Yeah, you know, and I I don't think, I think we should embrace it because um, as veterinarians, time is really one of our greatest assets and it's one of the, it carries a lot of value. And um, we do a lot of consulting over the phone (laughs) that we don't receive value for. And I think that telehealth is one way that we can turn some of that consulting into a revenue stream that is valuable to the client, the patient, and to us. Um, you know, certainly there are going to be cases where you would have a consult, and that that person and pet would still need to come in. But there also might be cases, and especially now with what with the stay home movement, um, you know, where you might actually prevent that person and that pet from having to leave the comfort of their home. Um, in order to get to you for something that could have been taken care of, you know, via a telehealth consult. And, um, and that carries a lot of value. And, and as vets, we need to recognize that because we much more frequently undervalue our services and our time <laughs> than the opposite, you know, contrary to what you might hear from a few of your clients, like most of you are undervaluing what you bring to the table.
0: I agree. Well, yeah. I think that's probably a good place for us to leave it. Okay. I really, I really want to thank you for your time.
1: Um, well, I appreciate it. It's been really a wonderful conversation. And um, yeah, I'm glad I can contribute.
0: And you're going to, just as a plug, we're going to have you be doing some webinars for us for CIVT, one starting in a couple of months, right? And then a few later on in the year.
1: Yeah, I'm really excited about the one on the human-animal bond.
0: So are we. Thanks very much, Nell.
1: Yeah, thank you.
0: All right. We'll talk to you later.
1: Sounds good. Thanks,
0: Neil. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. This podcast is made possible through the generous support of the College of Integrative Veterinary Therapies. ZIVT provides world-leading education in natural medicine, including three accredited postgraduate qualifications, industry-recognized certifications, and a wide range of evidence-based courses and webinars delivered by qualified and experienced practitioners. By bridging cutting-edge science and tradition, CIVT helps you to expand your treatment options to tackle your most challenging cases. And whether you're a veterinarian, veterinary technician or nurse, animal health professional, or someone who wants to learn more, they have the right course for you. Investigate their offerings at civtedu.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, we'd appreciate if you take the time to tell a friend and to give us a favorable rating on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for your support. We'll see you next time.